0: Hi there, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Folks, our desire is that we can incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His church here in West Michigan, but also in our state and our nation, and then leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But for that to happen, it's just critical that first we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to his instructions in humble obedience. Well, what a privilege I have to introduce a friend, but also a man that I highly respect and, and I'm so thankful for, and uh, it's the pastor of a church we attend, Calvary Church in the Grand Rapids area, Pastor Jim Samra. Welcome to our little podcast, Jim.
1: Thank you, Randy. Uh, I have no greater joy uh, Than to get to talk with people like you about um, important theological issues. And so this is great. Thank you for letting me do this. Uh,
0: my pleasure. Let me tell you a little bit more about Jim. He does serve as the senior pastor of Calvary Church, where he considers his main responsibility is to lead others in the worship of God. I love that. Just simply get them in God's presence and worship God. And in addition to, he's published uh, articles and book reviews. He's the author of several books, the most recent publication being an allegory style novel which is kind of interesting. I got to read it one of these days. I haven't done that yet. It's called Passage to the House of Prayer, a Prophetic Parable. Uh, As far as education, he holds a Bachelor of Science, believe it or not, in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Michigan. And he apparently does still bleed maize and blue. (laughs) And uh, is a Master of Theology in New Testament and Pastoral Ministries from Dallas Theological Seminary. And he has a doctor of philosophy in New Testament from the University of Oxford in England. Pretty interesting. He and his wife, Lisa, are the proud parents of four awesome children, the oldest of which named George. You just brought to college, right? Yep.
1: Yes, we did. So and that was, uh, man,
0: did, it, are you like me that you think, how is this possible that I got a kid in college now?
1: You know the really kind thing that the Lord did was uh, I I wasn't planning on it this summer, but the Lord took me through just some journeys to remind me of how faithful He's been, and that instead of sort of uh, giving away a child to college, it's a chance to give him to the Lord, and so Uh. the Lord reminded. You know, there's this great passage in Deuteronomy that says that, uh, you know, if you work for somebody or you're kind of in the Deuteronomy language, if you're a slave of somebody. Right. And that master provides you with a wife, then the children of that relationship belong to the master. Right. And the Lord used that uh, this summer to remind me that he very definitely provided me with a wife. Uh, It could not have been any more clear. And so he reminded me that my kids belong to him. Yes, it was a powerful experience. It was emotional, um, but a powerful to 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 both, you know, when you we cried some, you know, when you cry, you never know exactly why you're crying. Some of it was the the joy of man. 18 years. Thank you, Lord. What a gift. And some of it was the sadness of, oh, man, this is it'll be different now. And some of it was just the overwhelming nature of God's made all this possible. And he is absolutely worth the best things I could give him, including uh, our children.
0: That's so good. I just remember our oldest, you know, we have a number of children, 12 specifically, but our oldest, uh, Michelle, um, she went to Wheaton College, and Mm. I remember kissing her goodbye and having this tear in my eye and lump in my throat, and it just kind of hit me. It was like, it felt like about three years before that I was kissing her goodbye at kindergarten.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I thought, how did this happen? And then you yeah. know, a few years later, you're walking her down the aisle, and she's getting married. And
1: Randy, I'm not ready for all that yet. So yeah, I gotta, but you I just wait. That. I'm <laughs>
0: warning you, Jim. It's coming before it you is. know it. And now we got, we just you know, we went on, on a trip last week, and we have a great grandson now uh, so in North Carolina. And I just can't. I just, how did that ever happen? So anyhow, yeah. life goes real fast, and. uh, But I love what you're saying is that these kids belong. Yes, God used biology to create them. Yeah. But he's the one, you know, Psalm 139, David says, you formed me and my mother's, we belong to God. Absolutely. And, uh, but we get the privilege of of being with them and hopefully steering them in God's direction. So anyhow, but thank you uh, for being with us. And, you know, you, you preached a sermon a few weeks ago that really, I thought, just nailed it. Uh, but it talks about you know our culture's a mess, and you know what is the church's role? You know we're to be the salt and light.
1: Yep.
0: And uh, and yet our culture, American culture, would you agree, is is in a mess right now? I mean, we just have these dark left so and yes, right. I need, you know?
1: so I need some light. So yeah. My
0: goodness, but are yeah. we doing our job effectively as the church? We're to be the salt and light to 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 preserve and and hopefully have the culture move in god's way have we dropped the ball along the way what, what what's your sense of that jim
1: i think we have i think partly we uh we took our eyes off the sort of prize and i do think you know when i look at covid when i look at you know stuff going on in the in the in the world with politics especially in this country with politics yep. and uh you know economy and police and race and just the just number of issues i think it reminds me of first Peter four, where it says judgment begins first with the house of God. And Amen. I think that God is like, look, why would I get mad at the culture when, when my own people are not living in the way that I want them to live. And so I think that COVID vaccinations masks, you know, our response to politics and those things, I think they highlighted that, you know, where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And I don't think our heart has been fully with God. And so I think there's been some shaking yeah you know, Haggai I too says God says, I will shake the foundations of the earth, and wow. so I don't think the church has been what it needs to be, but uh it also has God's not abandoned it, and so there are still uh he's still doing something powerful in and through it, and so I do think there has been a pruning hmm. and a uh you know purifying process, and the Lord's good at what he does, and so I'm actually really hopeful for where I see the church uh, where it's going and what it's doing. But yes, I do. I, I sense an indictment from the Lord that our hearts have not been fully devoted to him. Yeah. And that we've made an idol out of power, out of politics, out of our own comfort, and yes. uh, not not been fully committed to serving Jesus.
0: I totally agree with you. And it's interesting that in the five nations in the world where the church is under persecution, it's growing. Yep. Whereas the five nations that are relatively at peace, including the U.S., the church has been pretty much in decline. they hold holding its or in decline. Yes it's not that we want persecution, but we do need to get our attention. Uh, I agree. This is not heaven. He says, you know, in, in Colossians 3, set your heart, set your mind on things above. Yes. You, you've heard the expression, you know, well, well that guy's so heavenly minded. He's no earthly good. That's, that's not scripture. That's... God wants us to have our heart there. In fact, see the great quote by C.S. Lewis, you know, that it, the people that have the greatest impact are the ones that are yeah, looking ahead. Uh, yeah. with hope uh and and there will for heaven
1: and, and you get earth thrown in yeah. uh, with it yeah, yeah there
0: you go that's exactly right yeah well that's really good well anyhow your sermon you talked about two different houses the kingdom house and the gospel house the kingdom house of moses and exodus yeah which was more of a political you know sort of a thing and the gospel house of jesus basically in matthew what's the difference between those two briefly
1: Yeah. So I think it has to do with, okay, well, what do you think uh, is the way to bring about the kingdom of God sort of Mm -hmm. on earth? And so I think in Exodus, it's very alluring because well, Moses has a direct confrontation with the political powers that be, and he goes head to head with Pharaoh and just, he just knocks him down. And, you know, in God's power, he shows that God is God and Pharaoh is not. Right. And then in Exodus, you get, You know, the kind of the thing that I think that Americans, if we thought about this, you know, like we're thinking about uh, abortion and we're thinking about guns and we think about taxes and we think Mm. about all the laws. Yeah. And I like to say, people, okay, if you could get the U.S. Constitution and all the legislation to be exactly fantastic, like perfect, like designed by God with holy standards and righteousness and goodness and purity. Yeah. All you'd end up with is the nation of Israel. In the Old Testament, you'd end up with the book of Exodus, which is God defeating the powers that be and writing a perfect law. Yeah. But in the Exodus kingdom house, there's a fatal flaw, which is the the sin of the golden calf and that all of the external laws and legislation and all the right judges and uh, all the politicians. If you don't change the human heart, none of it does any good. And so whereas I do think the Exodus house is a beautiful thing, I think that Jesus is like we first have to change people's hearts. Yeah. And then I'll return and we'll build an even better version of the kingdom house. Yeah. And so my sense is, is that too many Americans, because, well, hey, who doesn't want like plagues from God on all the bad guys or all the enemies and who doesn't want, you know, God to show himself in burning fire.
0: Right. And who doesn't
1: want God to like send Moses to go confront, you know, Washington, DC or New York city or Silicon Valley or El- Los Angeles and Hollywood. Right. But in the end, God's like, well, that doesn't do anybody any good unless I change their hearts. And so that's where I think we've gotten, uh, you know, so that this allure of power Hmm. and comfort and a cultural lifestyle that Jesus is like, I came here to transform things. And that's what you've forgotten.
0: Yeah. And it's gotta be hard. And that's, that's why, you know, there's been a number of awakenings in America's history and that's what happened. I mean, the culture was going down, yes. the church was falling apart even in the late 1700s, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. I used to think that America was basically Christian until about 1960 with, you know, with the yeah, right. The, right. the Vietnam era and so yeah. on. But then when I look, the late 1700s, the church was in decline. You know, uh, drunkenness was epidemic, and yeah. a woman was not safe to walk the streets of large cities at night for, seer, for fear of sexual assault, but then the remnant began to pray, and the second great awakening came, but, yeah. but even before that, they took a poll at Harvard University, or it's called Harvard College at the time, and of course, Harvard was formed to, to train pastors, and they took a poll. I said, how many guys would consider yourself Christians? Not one, zero. Oh. in the late 1700s which was kind yeah. of amazing but anyhow so hearts were changed through revival and awakenings right. and yep. that's what recalibrated our country a number of times and of course that's what we've been praying for whether we see that happen or not i'm, I'm hopeful it does so but- randy i think the problem is i'm not sure that a lot of other christians in america
1: are wanting that i do i used to think well everybody wants revival and then i think no actually i think everybody wants Low taxes or lots of people want low taxes. They want good social nets. They want the yeah. ability to have a nice car and low inflation and yeah. easy access to and then they want a climate change. And I think I think that's all the stuff people want. I don't think they actually want revival. And so I think this is the thing that, you know, breaks my heart is, is that Mm. as Christians, I mean, I get why as Americans, you might want, you know, no climate. You don't want the climate to be bad. You want inflation to be low and why you'd like, there to be lots of jobs and why you don't want to be at war. I get that. Yeah, But as Christians, we should be willing to have any of those things, not, you know, to some extent so that we can have revival. Like if those things would lead people to Jesus, that's where there would be actual blessing. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think we've, I think we actually too many, too few people actually want the spirit to move Uh, in America. They'd like the way things are now just Mm. with their cultural side winning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, what I try to say and try to mean is God, we want you to win. Yeah. And I get a little emotional when I even say it, but If my death, I don't want to die today, but if somehow my death today would somehow promote your kingdom, then I want to be able to say, okay, let's go for it. I mean, wouldn't it be neat if we could somehow get every Christ follower to basically have that attitude Is God, whatever it takes, I am in, because you gave everything for us. You, You didn't have to leave heaven and come down and die that horrific death for my sake. How can I give you less than what you gave to me? But yeah. you know, how are we going to get, again, we need heart change. It's got to start with this heart right here. And it's it's not a one-time thing. It's a daily choice, isn't it? To deny yeah. ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, in your sermon, you said we you came up with three Ps, very good job of yeah, them, That's right. <laughs> that we need to proclaim, yeah. the, you know, the gospel and the truth in love. And you, you even mentioned briefly, Things like abortion is right. it's sin, it's wrong, and the proper place of sex and marriage, you know, it's between a man and a woman. I mean, these are truthful things right. that we need to communicate to a crazy culture that doesn't quite get these things right now, but we got to do that in love. Um, and uh, you said, proclaim, we need to pray, in which you're very strong in, and we need to present you know, Jesus to, to the world, you know, as a savior and as Lord. So anything you want to elaborate on those three points?
1: Yeah, sure. So like, I think the proclaim piece, uh, you know, I think a lot of people uh, in kind of cultural warfare, like, okay, good. Well, this is where I get to get, get on the street corner with a megaphone and start yelling everybody. Yeah, sure. I think the idea is, is like, okay, well I'm married. Yeah, you're married. You know, there are okay. things that I try to say to my wife, but that's very different than forcing her to think about things my way. Yep. Uh, I do want, you know, I have opinions. She has opinions. And so we sort of share them with each other. And, you know, if I notice something that might be wrong, I want to say, Hey, look, I don't think that's the right way to do this, or the right yeah. way to think about it. She does right. that to me as well. Like, Hey, have you thought about the fact that if you, if you're going to that meeting, you're not going to be able to spend time doing this. I'm like, well, thank you. That's proclaiming. Sure. Sure. But it doesn't work to use force, right? Uh, That's not that's not respecting her as a person. That's not respecting me as a person. And so by trying to argue by trying to sort of debate, yeah, uh, you know, my wife and I, you know, we could I'm like, she's like, well, you can debate me into saying anything you want me to say, but I'm not going to be convinced unless (laughs) we're able to the spirit moves. Sure. So the proclaiming aspect, uh, it's an important role, but too many people want the yelling part or the whatever part and not the love part Mm -hmm. and then i think the other piece that people really miss is the presenting and you're right when we're presenting jesus what we're doing is we're presenting an alternative to the culture and so if the church doesn't make godly decisions about uh, racial issues about guns and thinking through uh, things about sexual immorality but also loving uh, people We're trying to present an alternative to say to the culture, look, that's what it looks like when Satan is Lord. uh, And this is what it looks like when Jesus is Lord. Come be part of that and experience the blessings of that. And so that's the piece that I think that uh, people are not really thinking about very much.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And then the third P was pray. Yep and uh, we can never do enough of that it seems to me is to bring god into the equation he can change hearts he changed right. our hearts and he can open doors for us i mean i see that happening all the time where he presents opportunities to communicate in love uh the truth to others and and uh, we we can see people change but uh, and pray for our leader we're supposed to be praying for our leaders we may right. totally disagree with what's going on in Washington and Lansing and so on, but we are commanded to pray. Uh, I appreciate Randy that at Calvary church, we've asked you and you've done a
1: great job with helping us think through just that's a command from first Timothy too. And so uh, you've uh, been faithful to send us different things to pray for. And so I'm grateful for that. And I think that um, if Mm -hmm. more people in this, in this culture would do that, I think we'd see God do some stuff.
0: Yep. Yep. So let's just say the church does everything it's supposed to be doing. does that automatically mean that that the culture is going to accept us and they're going to love us. And, you know, it's going to be just fine. I mean, I I see these things that Jesus says, boys and girls, you know, if they hated me, they persecuted me could happen to you. I mean, there's no guarantee. I mean, there's, there, there's 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 some movement in the church today, which is let's just be nice, and that goes too far on that side. I mean, we still have to speak the truth. In law, I think I think you
1: get for your guarantee, you get a yes and a no, and so you're correct in pushing towards God has he's promised suffering and he's promised that we're going to be hated in those things. But there's also so I 100% agree with that. Yeah, there's also a guarantee, yes, in the sense of. Uh, you know, do your good deeds before men so they will see them and glorify your father in heaven. And in first Peter two, when it says that if you submit and if you suffer and if you go through these things, that in the end, there will be at least some Mm -hmm. who see them and come to faith as a result of that. So I do think we're guaranteed both.
0: That's really guaranteed
1: that if we do what God asks us to do, there'll there'll be more trouble. Yep. But also that in the end, it will be worth it. Yeah, and that some people will see and believe and be transformed because we did it the way God wanted us to. Mm-hmm.
0: So here you are, a pastor of a good-sized church in a city in Grand you know, Grand Rapids, in Western Michigan. Uh, you know, you see the trends in culture and in the church. Do you have a degree of optimism, or are you more on the pessimistic side as far as where things are going? for the next number of years and for your children and ultimately perhaps grandchildren um, in the next 10, 20, 30 years. Where where, where, where are you on that at this point?
1: I'm actually pretty optimistic in the sense that I'm not necessarily optimistic about the culture, but I'm optimistic about the church. I feel like, like I said, we've been through a a few years of pruning and Mm -hmm. purifying and as, Well, the Lord prunes because he plans on growing fruit. And so you don't prune for no reason. And so I've sensed that after, you know, kind of COVID is, is died down and there's still issues going on around, but I've sensed that the Lord's at work in a powerful way. And so I see churches getting planted. I see churches working closer together because they're, you know, we're sort of like, uh, Like you said, in persecution, the church grows more powerful. And so I see the light shining more brightly in the darkness and I see God creating an alternative uh, that's, it's more, you know, in, 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 in the old Testament, there's this great phrase in Malachi where it says, you will once again, see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Hmm. And I think that there's a time when everything kind of feels Christian dumbish, when everything kind of feels sort of like, like Christian culture it's really hard to tell the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Mm -hmm. I think in our culture, it's becoming more obvious. And I'm actually pretty hopeful that the Lord and optimistic that the Lord is up to something. I don't think he's doing it nationally and sort of reforming and changing laws and cultures and politics. But I see him, you know, groups of churches in various cities around the country, banding together, praying together, working together. I see more unity.
0: That's good Uh, among
1: the churches and less sort of doctrinal fighting and less Mm. sort of like I see more generosity and people working together. And I'm reminded in John 17, Jesus says, if you guys are unified, they will see and know that you belong to me and it will lead them to faith. And so I'm actually relatively optimistic that Jesus is getting rid of some of the cultural baggage that came along with Christianity Mm -hmm. and is creating a church that is more pure and more devoted to him. And as a result, more unified, more generous, more full of the spirit. And so, whereas we may not see nationally the entire nation move in a Christianish sort of direction, I do think we're seeing a lot more people being saved, churches being planted, radical real discipleship that's starting to happen. And so I'm pretty
0: optimistic. That's Awesome. So uh, it, it, uh, basically, maybe you just gave that word to individual Christians, but let me just give you that opportunity. If you could somehow address every, every you know, blood-bought follower of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that says, I want to be all in with, with the Lord, but what should I do? What, what, what should I be about? Uh, what, what would you want to tell those Christians in, in, in our area, our state, our nation today?
1: Yeah, I think that first of all, in order to grab hold of something, you've got to let go of what you're currently holding on to. And I think a lot of people you you talked about, you know, people wanting to give up their lives or should we be giving up their lives for Jesus? I see lots of people trying to hold on to their lives and they're like, well, you know, I'm not going to get vaccinated because I might die if I do or. I'm not showing up in church because I might get COVID and die. Or you have to have a lot of people who like their main concern is, how do I prolong my life as long as possible? Uh And Jesus reminds us, I'm giving you eternal life. You already have life that will last as long as possible. Why are you trying to save and hold on to this one when you got a much better one that's coming?
0: That's good.
1: So, how do we let go of politics, have power, money? How do we, you know, these are the things that God's trying to show us. Look, can those gods do anything for you? Have they been able, you know, like the American church is, is, is incredibly wealthy, yeah. but has that brought about? It's like the church in Laodicea. We say to God, look at how rich we are. And he's like, you're actually poor, wretched, blind, naked. Let go of that stuff so I can give you true riches. That's good. I think American Christians, we want to say, look. Let go of some of these things, let go of the idea that, you know, you might get every elected official in position that you want to have and that you're going to get all the laws that you want and that you're going to get Mm -hmm. taxes to be the way you want. Let go of those things. They don't matter. Mm -hmm. And instead, now, once you let go of them, it's time to embrace Jesus to say, "Okay, well, where is Jesus at work? Yeah, maybe 50 years ago, you could say, well, he was kind of at work in the governmental structures and the culture and the educational institutions. Yeah, he's but where he promised he would be at work is in his church. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah. And I see people saying, well, man, it feels like America's going to hell and, and turning dark up like, well, if that were the case, what institution should you now be part of like the one place where you can actually find safety and security? And people are worried about what will happen with the U.S. Army and what will happen with global politics. I'm like, well, I don't know, but I do know the church will not give ground to Satan and the forces of hell. And so I want to tell people, look, now is the time to get engaged, to get involved. And if, if it's true that Christian schools or Christian culture or Christian music or Christian publishing or whatever, if that stuff seems to be fading, the church is not.
0: That's good. And that
1: as the Lord purifies his church, this is the institution. Come be part of it. Come join us for prayer. Come be part of hearing from God. Come experience the kingdom of God on earth. And uh, I do think you'll get to see, oh, wait a second. The Lord is at work. He is doing something great and something amazing.
0: Oh, that's, that's really encouraging. Thank you. How about closing us in prayer? Would you do that, brother?
1: Love to. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful, uh, God, for you. Uh, We are grateful that you are still and will forever be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you are God over all things, and that not a single thing is happening in my life, in Randy's life, in any of these listeners' lives uh, that is outside of your control uh, and your love and your power. And so, Lord, forgive us, forgive us as individuals, forgive us as people that we think we could do your job better than you. We think that we could run this uh, world. We could make decisions. We would throw plagues or do whatever uh, and just force people. Um, But we don't understand and we have underestimated the power of your love. So thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for Jesus, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who you sent to make all things right. Jesus, we submit to your lordship and your leadership. Would you not please pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, upon your church, upon this world? Uh, What hope do we have? Jesus, accept that your spirit come among us and transform all things and make all things new. So please, uh, God, uh, win people to yourself, Uh, save them from darkness. Uh, Lord, build your church, Uh, cause people to see your light shining in the darkness. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. You are the light of the world Uh, and help us as your people uh, to be light through which you shine uh, so that the nations and the world might see and know uh, that you are good and that you are Lord. Thank you for this time together. May you use this and bless this wherever you may take it. For your name and your sake and your glory, we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was great. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.